Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am back in the podcast studio with the one and only Dr. Orrin Martin. Great to be here. It is Palm Sunday. We're taking a break from Exodus. We're about to spend five days in the New Testament looking at some prophecy, some fulfillment. But we're really jumping into the story of Jesus's life toward the end. So, Oren, I thought it would be helpful, since we've been spending all this time in Genesis and Exodus, if you kind of caught us up, some people might be jumping in to this reading plan for the first time today. Yeah. So, catch us up, Jesus's life, How? what what happens leading up to Palm Sunday? How'd we get here? Yeah, well, you know, one important thing that I like to, to remember when we think about the Gospels as it takes each one in their own unique way, written to different audiences by different authors, who want to emphasize certain events. Um, one thing we got to keep in mind is they all have one point, and it's mm-hmm. actually it's shown in a beautifully literary way. What I mean by that is each gospel devotes a large percentage of of what they write to uh, to the last week of Jesus. So if you think about, you know, one New Testament scholar said, you know, Ma- Matthew devotes about 30-something percent of his gospel to to the final seven days of Jesus. Mark, Hmm. about the same. Uh, Luke, about the same, maybe a little bit less uh, in the upper 20s. And then John, uh, I think it's about 42% that that he devotes. Nearly half. Nearly half, yeah, which is amazing. To, To the final seven days of Jesus. Which is what we're looking at this week. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting that 33 years Wow. is, is, uh, you know, covered in two-thirds. And then seven days is covered in a third. Hmm. And that's making one huge literary point that the gospel is the point of of every gospel, right? Me- meaning that the good news that Jesus came, he suffered, he died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. And, you know, which is why one, one another New Testament scholar said that uh, the gospels are passion stories with extended introductions. Hmm. Meaning... You know, all of these extended introductions, you know, two-thirds of each gospel or, you know, a little over a half of John uh, is an introduction. It's almost like a like an appetizer to the main course. What's the main course? It's the cross of Christ because that's, that's what, you know, the, the introduction give us the important life and details and background and all the things of who Jesus is. Uh, but ultimately, that culminates in uh, what Jesus came to do finally as his final act to bring salvation uh, through his life and death and resurrection. So it's it's beautiful, just just even from a literary standpoint, how much more from a theological standpoint, mm. knowing that uh, he died for our sins and he was raised for our justification, as Paul puts it in Romans 4. That's good. So, Oren, it could feel kind of jarring if I'm if I'm jumping in right now to this reading plan, and I'm I hear you say that, I'm like, oh, but we're skipping two-thirds of the story. What was this, I mean, was this baby born, born to die? That yeah. could seem kind of evil. Yeah. How would you respond? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's important. You know, even it's interesting that if if all it took was that God became man and to, in order to, to make atonement for our sins, then the Son, the Word who became flesh, could, could have just become flesh, could have took on a human nature like we have, uh, be, become a, a human a, a human being like we are uh, for three seconds as a baby and then die mm-hmm. for our sins. But he didn't do that. 
And he lived for 33 years. Uh, and I think that's significant because, you know, I, th- I think sometimes we can kind of skip over his life and just emphasize his death. But mm. but it is important that the Gospels give us two-thirds to a half of of the life of Jesus because they they want to show in incredible uh, ways that that Jesus is both God and man. So, you know, as, as John says, you know, John 1, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? That, who is this Word? John 1, 1. At the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All the Gospels are clear that 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 the Son, right, who, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son is fully God. And we see that in amazing ways, right? Mm-hmm. We see Jesus going around uh, performing miracles, which we see, you know, we see Old Testament prophets and leaders performing miracles too, but not by their own authority in the same way that Jesus does. So, for example, yeah, when Jesus is casting out demons, right, he's doing that by his own authority. Come out. When Jesus raises uh, Jairus' daughter or Lazarus, what is he saying? He's saying, come out, right? Uh, Lazarus, come out, right, by his mm-hmm. own word. And, you know, we're to connect that to the Old Testament because who who, who is able to speak a word and defy the very uh, laws of creation, right? Only God can, yeah. right? Who speaks in the beginning and, you know, we see the world come about. Well, Jesus speaks and supernatural things the happen. The storm stops. That's right. And and it forces his disciples to ask the question, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And we have the answer because we have the, you know, the, the complete revelation given to us in the New Testament. This is not just a man. This is God. Uh, and and he's, he's speaking the words of God. He's doing the works of God, right? So we have in his words and in his works um, uh, clear examples and displays that he is fully God. And not just that, if that's not crazy enough and great enough, we have Jesus forgiving sins, hmm. which his opponents don't like, right? They, they accuse him of blaspheming because, you know, he, he argues kind of from the lesser of the greater. Well, if I can— uh, you know, f- forgive sins, then I can say, take up your bed and walk, or vice versa, right? That, that as, as great as take up your bed and walk is, it's nothing compared to the fact that he can just say the words, your sins are forgiven, and, and it happens. And it's done. Yeah, be- because he has the authority to do that as uh, true God of true God, very God of very God, as the early Nicene Creed says. Um, but, but not just that, the, the Gospels also show us clear displays of his humanity, right? Mm. So he gets tired, right? And if, in fact, in some of those same stories where on one hand, he's, you know, in one moment, he's sleeping on the boat and he wakes up. What, what is he showing us here? He's, he's truly man. He's, he was he's, sleeping. He needed a nap. That's right. But then he wakes up and what does he do? Be still. He calms the wind and the waves, right? He gets hungry. When he's fasting, you know, for forty days, uh, he uh, he he's weary from from uh, from travels. Mm-hmm. He he goes and departs to, to a lonely place because he's probably burdened and and, and tired from the from the demands of. He ministry. needs some introvert time, right? He and it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, when he gets to those kind of places and he goes across the shore to kind of get away. Mm-hmm. And he he uh, needs to kind of recharge and, and be alone with his father. Spiritually um, recharge. The yeah. crowds bombard him again, mm-hmm. and and what's amazing is it tells us in each of those episodes he doesn't like get grumpy and he doesn't, uh, you know, he, like I would. Like right? celebrities today That's do right. when they get mobbed. No, it says he has compassion on them. He sees right? their and, need. and we should That's marvel at the compassion of Jesus and his love for sinners. Um, that that. Uh, you know, I think for my own life, what, what does that tell me? He never gets tired of me coming to him. Uh, like like we often get tired of people coming to us who are making mm-hmm. demands. Jesus never gets tired. Right? His patience and his compassion are unending and unfailing, right? So he's getting hungry. He's getting weary. He's And we see that ultimately in the cross of Christ where he suffers and dies. 
And so we see both the, you know, in, in those introductions laying for us the the necessary, you know, categories and structures of, of who Jesus is as both fully God and fully man in one, united in one person, uh, so that he can do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, that in his death, as the one who is fully God, he can he can atone for sin, right? He, he can pay the infinite penalty against an infinitely holy God, something you and I couldn't do because no. we're finite creatures. right. So he can do that as God, but he can also, uh, as as a, a one who identifies with us in our humanity, he can pay the penalty of sin for us because he's doing that as our representative, as our substitute. Uh, that, that he can represent us rightly and and truly because he is truly man, and he he can uh, pay the penalty we deserve to pay. And uh, through his life and death and resurrection, we can receive forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life. So amazing, Lauren. So today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, if you will, we're watching this introduction where we've learned everything you just described about Jesus kind of come to a close, and now we're entering the climax of the story. So as we, as listeners get ready to dive into these portions of Scripture and, and understand these last days of Jesus's life, what encouragement would you have for us as we study together? I think if you've been around the church, it can be easy to go into autopilot. It's Easter. Jesus died. He rose. It's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you approach Holy Week? Yeah, I approach Holy Week with, oh, man, incredible gratitude. Hmm. Um, you know, I think it's, it's important, you know, I have to remind myself when I read through the gospel accounts um, that it's not just some abstract Savior who's walking around doing this kind of isolated, right? Mm. No, yeah. he, he tells us over and over and over, right? He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, you know, that language, like dying for our sins, right? Uh, we, you know, we sing those words in that song, in in my place condemned he stood. Um, it just means that when we read the Gospels, we shouldn't read the Gospels as, as a Savior, just kind of abstractly or impersonally doing things that are that are separate from us. No, if we're confessing faith, faith in Christ, then as we read the Gospel accounts, every thought that Jesus had, every prayer that Jesus prayed, every, every act of obedience that Jesus uh, acted, right, perfectly, mm-hmm. was for us and for our salvation, right? He did it as our substitute. So we should read every movement of the life of Christ that he was doing that for you and he was doing that for me. And and so you know as as God you know as, as we read through the New Testament that, that God then counts and credits His obedience and righteousness uh, that He achieved right He counts that to us that's amazing so that when God looks at us He looks at us as righteous in Christ right so you know it's a, it's a wonderful doctrine of of justification that that we're made right before God because we are united to the righteous one right as Romans six will go on to say you know later on in the New Testament that that Christ died, and because we've trusted in him, his death is our death. Hmm. We've been baptized into his death. We've died to sin, and we've been raised to walk in newness of life. Why? Because we've been united with him in his death and resurrection. Ephesians 2 says that we've been seated with him in the heavenly mm-hmm. places. So, you know, all, all that Jesus is and, and all that Jesus did, does, uh, it should form our identity as Christians, right? So when I encounter that temptation, I don't have to give in. Why? Because Jesus, right, uh, uh, because of him, he he died for sin and has mm-hmm. now made me dead to sin, right? I don't have to have to give in to sin because I've died of that. My, my, old, my old man's been crucified with Christ, right? That old nature that was under the, the power and domination of sin, that's dead. 
Mm-hmm. That that guy is long gone, and I've, I'm united to a resurrected, uh, seated Savior. And I have the power now through the indwelling Spirit uh, that He gave me. Um, I have that power now to say no to sin, to say yes, yes to Christ and walk in life. So good, Oren. We're out of time. Oh, that went fast. I know, it went so fast. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. We'll have you back soon. And as always, I am so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.